We all have bucket lists. As a lifelong sports fan, mine is full of tons of different sporting events and venues, from the NBA, NFL, Olympics, and beyond. However, my greatest bucket list item is something I want to share with the world and fans like me. What if you could attend a home college football game for all 130 and counting FBS programs? Seems crazy, right? Join me, your host, Bobby Wilson, as I take you along for the ride to see all the FBS venues and more. This is the TNT College Football Podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the very next episode of the TNT College Football Podcast. I hope everyone's doing well after another great week of college football. Um, I spent my Saturday at the University of Iowa for... uh, Minnesota at Iowa, the battle for Floyd of Rosedale. That was a, an exciting exciting game that <clears throat> I definitely did not think that many points were going to be scored. 27-22 to 22 ended up being the final. Iowa got the W. I was very surprised with how well uh, Minnesota was able to run the football against the Iowa Hawkeyes. Over 200 yards rushing for Minnesota. It makes you wonder if... If Minnesota had Mo Ibrahim for the entire season, where would this team be? They probably would have beat Ohio State. They, You would have to imagine they would have beat Illinois. And you would think that they would have just beat that Iowa team with how well they were able to run the football without him. So I, I was impressed by that. The, the, the other thing I was extremely impressed with was the classy move Minnesota had during the game. I will get to that in a second. But Kinnick Stadium, great venue. I was able to check off the list of uh, stadiums to attend. Um, I have to have to say it was the best venue that I have been to. Just uh, it got loud in there. I I was really, really impressed with uh, the showing from the Iowa Hawkeye fans. And And I understand when there's a rivalry game like that it means a little bit more but I feel like those passionate Iowa fans are always like that and this is coming from somebody who's been to countless games at the University of Michigan but I will be the first one to tell you that the big house isn't that loud but let's get back talking about Iowa I was impressed by um the showing that the Hawkeyes put out there they've they didn't have their starting quarterback. They hit some deep balls. Very, 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 very impressed by that. Um, I thought, I, I definitely didn't think there was any chance of them airing out the football as much as they did, but but they sure did. And uh, an impressive showing, really. I, I was very impressed by both teams, honestly. I mean, it was a good showing by both teams. Um, like I said, definitely a lot better than I thought it was going to be from a football perspective. Now... Let me talk about my experience. <clears throat> Obviously, there's not much to do in Iowa, but these fans, Hawkeye fans, show up and show out for their team. Very, very impressed. Met a lot of really cool people. Uh, they just have a ton of fun at the game. Just, just impressed by that. Drinking is not my scene and not my cup of tea, but... But hey, I I know that's what tailgating and and all that leads to. But you got to give the Hawkeye fans credit for for just being able to 
enjoy it, have fun. Even when their team doesn't produce from an offensive standpoint the way that you might want them to, even though they did in the game I saw. But uh, nonetheless, I, I have to say, I, I was able to witness the wave to the Iowa Children's Hospital, which I was super, super, just super excited to be a part of. I mean, that's just a, it's just an amazing thing that they do. At the end of the first quarter of uh, every home game, uh, the whole stadium turns and waves to the Iowa Children's Hospital, which is right next to the stadium. It's right there. Um, <clears throat> and I was very, very impressed by Minnesota and P.J. Fleck. They sprinted to to uh, the hash where those young kids and their families could see them, and they waved as well. Very, very classy move by P.J. Fleck in the Minnesota Golden Gophers. And uh, as a father myself, I can only imagine what those parents are going through, um, having having your child, your child um, at the children's hospital for cancer, um, just or or whatever it may be. But uh, just uh, we just need to remember, just even something as small as a little wave like that can change somebody's day and give them so much. Uh, so much a better outlook on that day and uh just really really cool what iowa does there and I, i'm so 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 happy i was able to uh witness that and be a part of that that was a ton of fun and uh really really easy drive from where i live i gotta say that too i mean that was <laughs> that was an amazing thing too i guess i never really realized how close the university of iowa is to where i live but uh Nonetheless, um, again, if if you can make it to Kinnick Stadium, I, I really feel like it is a must, uh, especially at night. Um, like I was there, it got cold, but it was worth it. But that wave, guys, when they waved to that hospital, it uh it, it affects you in a certain way, just because, uh, especially if you're a parent. And what it means and just uh just always remember hey just try to be that positive light in uh in someone's day no matter what it is um there's a lot of negativity in the world today and uh we just try and be that bright light all right uh, that's uh, i don't feel like you need to be religious uh to do that um just to be a good person but uh, I know with my faith that uh, my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ wants me to be that example. And I try to be that way. But, uh, but again, just try to be that positive light for somebody out there. Now let's get back talking about football a little bit. <clears throat> uh, we saw another coaching vacancy open up yesterday. Maybe one that we necessarily... Uh, I mean, we were kind of expecting it, kind of not. But the University of Washington um, opens up firing uh, Jimmy Lake. Um, some very interesting things have come out about the University of Washington over the past uh, week or so. And I feel like I feel like we've all probably seen that uh, 
uh, punch or whatever it may be hit um, that, that occurred from Jimmy Lake to one of his players. Obviously not something that should ever happen, but um, in heat of the moment, uh, things happen, but you always have to remember as a coach, I've been there as a coach, you get frustrated, but I mean, you can never put your hands on somebody. Now, I understand I coached uh, girls and women's basketball. Obviously, as a male, I should never, ever put my hands on a woman. In football, it's a little different. Um, you can get in your players' faces a little bit more, um, interact with them, but you, the physical contact is something that uh, uh, just something that shouldn't be happening anywhere. Um, there, there were a lot of uh, different sources saying that he had to go. Uh, the recruiting was the worst it's ever been. Uh, they're fearing it was going to re revert back to the Ty Willingham days. Um, didn't have a ton of allies there. Um, <clears throat> but the one thing I, I have to question in all that is, I mean, he wasn't even there for two years. Um, how much recruiting are you really able to do in that short of time frame? I mean, I understand uh, bridges can be burned at any time, but I, I, I don't see how you can, uh, <clears throat> how your recruiting could get that bad in that short a time frame. But if, if that's how people felt about it, I mean, then so be it. Because I've seen it from multiple sources. It's not just like one person saying that. I've seen two, three, four people saying stuff like that. So, I mean, if there's that many people out there saying it, then I have to imagine that there's something to that. Um, <clears throat> but the number one name that comes to mind for that job um, that I instantly thought of uh, for that job was uh, Kalani Sataki, the head coach at BYU. I mean, from a proximity standpoint, it just makes sense. Um, I know Sataki's kind of a BYU guy, and with BYU about to make the move to the Big 12, <clears throat> it might change um, the aspect of him maybe leaving or what, whatever it may be. But uh, I think I think he at least needs to be the first one that they call. I've also um, also seen I've seen some interesting things out there. From different different people saying stuff uh, like uh, Kellen Moore, I've seen brought up. I I don't know if I mean if he didn't get the Boise job, I don't know what uh, why he would get the Washington job. But crazier things have happened. I, I think Joe. I think uh, um, Joe Moorhead, the offensive coordinator, Oregon has to be uh, uh, in the running, you would think, just just because of what he's done at Oregon um, and the fact that he's deserving of a head coaching job. But uh, it, it, it leads to some other interesting, interesting uh, situations for the – so since the season has started, 10 jobs have now opened up. LSU, USC, obviously big-time jobs. TCU is a very good job. Washington is a good job. 
Washington State is even a good job, I would say. And and I don't know who the Washington who's going to get the Washington State position because I thought it might be Joe Moorhead there as well. Um, then you got Akron, um, UMass, which I was saying Liam Cohen should uh, should be the first guy that they should really look at. And I heard uh, I heard today from a pretty credible source that UMass made the call and. He was very respectful um, for the opportunity, but he turned it down pretty quickly. Uh, <clears throat> I can't say I necessarily blame him because uh, that that is a uh, that's a that's gonna be a difficult job. But for the right person, that they, they, they could handle that. Um, uh, I, I think any Division One head coaching job is, especially FBS, is is a huge opportunity and uh, something that should not be taken lightly. So then that makes me go to what I talked about last week, Don Brown, and then looking at one of those young uh, offensive-minded guys to bring on as like the head coach and waiting. Then the other three jobs that we've seen filled already, UConn just last week with Jim Mora, the home run hire of Jim Mora. Um, Actually, I think all three schools that have hired head coaches have done good, done a good job hiring somebody. But I think Jim Mora is the slam dunk of the group. Texas Tech hired jo- Joey McGuire from uh, Baylor. I think that's a great hire as well. Uh, his Texas ties run deep, and then Georgia Southern obviously got Clay Helton. I think uh, as long as the Georgia Southern fans, I've said this before, as long as the Georgia Southern fans give him time. And don't just expect, uh, don't just expect him to win uh, right away, because that that is a talent deficient uh, roster to say the least. Uh, the, that's pro- that that is the worst roster in the Sun Belt. But uh, if he has time, he's going to be able to get that roster up to where it needs to be. <clears throat> um, another one came out today. And I've kind of been reporting this for a while that the FIU job is going to be open, um, but Butch Davis finally, finally confirmed it today. He told uh, the administration uh, he won't be back next. He will not return next year. And here's his quote: He said, "The administration has been sabotaging the football program," which uh, is obviously uh, not something you want to hear. Uh, and it makes you wonder, well, it doesn't make you wonder, it now opens your eyes to why uh, their name is never brought up in any of the conference realignment. <clears throat> and it makes you wonder if, uh, one, they're going to drop down to FCS or if they're just going to get rid of the football program in general. But uh, he continued, FIU is not allowed to recruit on the road the last two years, which, I mean, come on, like, Maybe Dan Mullen needs the FIU job. Sorry, that's not uh, that. I got to throw that out there. Um, I'll get to Florida, but if 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 you're not going to allow your coaching staff to recruit on the road, like I understand you're in South Florida and you're in a very fertile recruiting area, but you got to understand you're not going to win all those battles. Like you can't win. You can't get everybody. I know there's a lot of guys to get, but come on. 
the other the other thing that blows my mind here is FIU had to use Mississippi State's old shoulder pads because of no money. And the uniforms that they currently have are nine years old. <clears throat> if if that's really true, what what in the world is FIU doing with any of the money they are getting uh, from anything uh, athletics related, football related? Because I mean, there there was a point just not that long ago where FIU went to a bowl game and one of the stories came out there from that was today that I saw was that the FIU team was reported a day late to save money and that the players didn't get all of their uh, uh, I'll say memorabilia or uh, gifts from uh, the bowl game and that the school took some of them and sold them for money which is just, if that's really true, then how in the heck are you going to suspend some of these guys for selling some of their stuff? Like, like uh, I live in Illinois. This is a basketball thing. But Kofi Cokeburn selling some of his apparel and whatnot when he was declared for the draft, but he comes back this year, he gets suspended for three games. It's ridiculous. But, you, but if this is true, what FIU did here selling the bowl game gifts of the players if that's true I, that that is despicable if it's true then the whole uh, shoulder pad situation getting mississippi state's old shoulder pads and uh i read a story or read something that said the freshmen get new pads when they come in but then after after the freshman year they got to use old ones and all this and that I mean, this is Division One FBS football. I mean, not, I'm not even Division One. Like FCS schools, D2 schools, D3 schools. They, I mean, obviously some schools you have to reuse stuff. I get that. But, I mean, come on. If that really is true, FIU has worse problems on their hands than uh, wins and losses on the football field. And let's... Let's just talk that Butch Davis has won at every single job he has had. So, uh, every single job he's had at the college level, he's won. And I think it speaks volumes about FIU that he's not winning. Because, to me, that's all I need to know about that situation. Absolutely ridiculous. Now I want to go into couple other coaching uh, situations let's first talk about Florida brief briefly I mean Dan Mullen has given up on the season in the team it's very very apparent I mean to to be losing to Samford the way that they were first off to perform against Sanford the way that they did um, is despicable for the University of Florida standards. And to give up 52 points to FCS Sanford, and I'm not taking a shot at Sanford. I'm applauding them for how they performed and how they played. Like, that was phenomenal the way that they played. You went to an SEC 
venue against a perennial power, not recently, but historically, the Florida Gators, and you put up 52 points in the swamp, and your quarterback throws for 400 yards. I mean, that that's pretty amazing. And, I mean, Samford played, honestly played as good as they could have. They were winning at halftime. Just got it to within four in the fourth quarter. I mean, and then you see the videos of the Florida players just celebrating and losing their minds in the locker room, just like, what, like, what are you doing? You are the University of Florida. Like, like, just looking at the stats. Like, Sanford had 530 yards of offense, 416 yards passing. Just, uh, now Florida had 717, but you should against FCS State. You should have more. Um, just, I don't understand why Dan Mullen wasn't fired, hasn't been fired yet because it's a mess. It's an absolute mess. Um, and it's, I mean, it obviously his buyout is insane. Um, I do know that much, but at the same time, like, you can't you can't uh, put that type of product on the field at the University of Florida he's got a 12 million dollar buyout so I guess that's not ridiculous but I do know that it stays at 12 million even next year so if you're gonna do it you might as well do it now and Florida's five and five <laughs> How how did they only lose to Alabama by three points? It's head-scratching, first of all, but that's a whole nother thing. <coughs> and I know I talked about it a couple weeks ago, his comments about recruiting, but we'll talk about recruiting uh, after the season when it's recruiting season. That right there should have got him fired because that is a blatant slap in the face to the University of Florida. And just last week... Thursday, they have one of their commits that they had all summer and all season flip and commit to Georgia. Friday, same thing. Kid's been committed there all summer and all season. Flips his commitment to Georgia. Just uh, something's got to change. Something's got to change at the University of Florida. It needs to happen now. Then you look at Another program who has fallen off so much. The Virginia Tech Hokies. Where they had a tremendous win to start the year against North Carolina. Which has now turned into uh, not as tremendous of a win. But nonetheless, I mean, it was still still a good win. Um, So you look at some guys that should be in the running for that job. And uh, I, I think the first guy that they should call, and I hope that I hope he doesn't take it, is Jamie Chadwell at Coastal Carolina, because Virginia Tech needs a whole 
culture change. It needs to be an entire change and flip the script. Um, but but I, I, I don't think I don't think that happens um, just because I don't know if they want to if they, I don't know if they want to go that whole route of because Virginia Tech has never been an offensive juggernaut they've always been defensive minded and defensive oriented so then that makes me think a guy like Marcus Freeman at Notre Dame or Jim Leonard at Wisconsin, um, just with their defensive minds, they're young, um, fresh. I, th I, I think they would be, I think they would be good hires. Then, if you're looking, in my opinion, if you're looking at uh, somebody to move up from a G5 level. I think the first guy that should be mentioned other than Jamie Chadwell would be Billy Napier from Louisiana and what he's done. But then also not terribly far from Virginia Tech's campus, uh, Charles Huff at Marshall has done a very, very good job in year one. Um, but it's just small sample size. So if you had, <clears throat> if you had to ask me right now, I would say the Virginia Tech would hire a defensive-minded guy just because of their history and their pedigree. So that makes me lead towards Marcus Freeman or Jim Leonard um, from Notre Dame or Wisconsin. Um, but crazier things have happened, as we all know. I mean, this is college football. Crazy things happen. And uh, leads me into my next topic, speaking of crazy things. How about the Kansas Jayhawks? just shocking the football the college football world and and I am all for it I am all for it uh, what Kansas did against the University of Texas Saturday night I was of, of course I was driving home from the University of Iowa I wasn't able to see it but uh super super exciting uh, just to see Kansas get one of the biggest wins that they've had in a long time. Kansas hadn't won a road Big 12 game since I was a senior in high school. No, actually, that would no my freshman year of college in 2008. And they go into Texas and they win for the very first time in Austin. The very first time they've ever won in Austin in program history. Their 56 game Big 12 road losing streak done like that is that is mind-blowing <clears throat> and i i think we have to talk about lance leopold the head coach at kansas i am a former d3 women's head basketball coach lance leopold coached at the division three level at wisconsin whitewater and won six d3 national championships and his career record at Whitewater was 109 and 6. Then he goes to Buffalo, does a really good job at Buffalo, and he deservedly gets this Kansas job. And it's going to take time. It is. But this win against Texas, I'm not even going to talk about Texas. I'm not going to give them the time of day because their fan base is ridiculous. And quite frankly, their program is ridiculous. 
But what Lance Leopold has done in a short time at Kansas is give the program and the players and the university and all their fans hope. I mean, this this man can coach. He can flat out coach. You don't win six national titles for no reason. And, and, and I'm not saying he's going to do that at Kansas, but he's going to make Kansas respectable very soon. It might not be next year, but it, it's going to happen. And and I, I had to, I went and watched his his post game interview on the field, and I had to laugh. I mean, it was, I mean, it was so honest, and it was beautiful. He's, he's like, this is, I, this is what he legitimately said. He said, "I'll be honest. I don't have anything prepared. They told me I wouldn't have to worry about post victory interviews when I took the job. Should have been a red flag, probably. To me, that that's beautiful." It's beautiful as a coach to say something like that. And <laughs> you, you can't, you got to root for the guy. You have to. I mean, that, that is, that's phenomenal. And I'm a big, I'm a big fan of Lance Leopold because of where he's coached, the level he's coached, and now what he's doing. And I'm pulling for Kansas. I'm pulling for Kansas football. I really, really am. I want him to succeed. I want him to do well. And, because their fans deserve it. I mean, I'm a Detroit Lions fan. I I know losing. So, but those fans deserve it. The next thing I want to talk about, first I want to, uh, thoughts and prayers for Bo Nix uh, with his broken ankle. Um, he, he made a very, very good post on Twitter. Um, you guys can go see that. It's phenomenal. Um, just uh, showing his faith and, uh, I applaud him for that, and uh, made me a fan of him, and I and I hope he does well. And uh, thoughts and prayers to him on a speedy recovery. Hope he uh, hope he gets back quickly. Um, obviously, he's gonna be out for the rest of the year, but uh, I hope he's able to uh, recover and and play football at a high level. Another thing breaking today, Miami uh, and their athletic director, Blake James, deciding to part ways immediately, <clears throat> which I think this is a big deal for Miami because Miami has a plethora of issues, Manny Diaz being one of them, but the AD was has always been a problem. But the, one of their main problems is institutionally, like from the top down, um, just... Uh, not having an on-campus stadium is one. There, there's so many issues there, but hopefully uh, getting a new athletic director can help maybe change some things there. <coughs> now, as I do every week, I want to talk a little bit about UConn, uh, my partnership with Sidelines UConn. I always take a little bit of time to talk about the Huskies. Um, <coughs> obviously, I did not. I did not see the game. <clears throat> against Clemson because I was at the University of Iowa. But I, I said going into the game in my breakdown for that game, Clemson was a 41-point favorite. Um, I questioned if Clemson could actually score 41 points, um, if, that, if that offense was even capable of doing that. Now, obviously they did. Uh, they scored 44, so they uh, made me wrong there. But 
UConn had one of the craziest kickoff returns you'll ever see. It was actually leading to start the game because the kickoff was the opening play of the game. And UConn was leading 7 nothing against Clemson. It was uh, tremendous, um, but it, it, crazy, crazy play. But uh, hats off to UConn, though. They, they showed up. They, they played about as good as they could have, realistically. Um, just just from a stats perspective, I see uh, Zergi Otis through two picks. Just, I mean, there was only so much they could do. and uh, But nonetheless, UConn should be, UConn and their fans have to be very, very excited about the Jim Moore hire. And what that's going to lead to in the program, it, it's you, you. You see on social media already the following that Mora has, and just the respect that he has, and uh, it's going to turn around the program, and it's going to turn it around quickly. Um, he's going to bring in good recruits. I think they're going to hit the portal hard. Uh, I, I've said it before, and I say it again. They got a good young quarterback in Tyler Puma who is a program-changing type player. And Husky fans, you should be excited about the future. You need to be excited about the future. You need to trust Jim Moore because he's been there and done that. And he wouldn't have took this job if he didn't feel like he could do this. And uh, everything is in place. Don't let let anybody else tell you otherwise. I know I've said this before, but I'm going to continue to say it. UConn has everything it needs to be successful. They are set up very well as an independent to do well. Their schedule is really well. Um, they The TV deal is good. And Jim Moore is going to make this team respectable quickly. And that TV deal will continue, in my opinion. But I've, I, I'll say it before and I'll say it again. If they continue, if they have the success that I feel like they could have, there is no reason why in the next round of expansion that the ACC or the Big Ten wouldn't come calling. Because why wouldn't you want a Northeast program like UConn who has a respectable football program at that point, but more importantly can give you a good baseball team, but even more importantly gives you the best women's basketball program in America and one of the top men's basketball programs in the country. Since 1999, they have four national titles. No one else can say that. So that's uh, that's my spiel about UConn and the Huskies. Husky fans, be excited. Your, your team's going to be good. And I'm glad that I'm along for the ride with my partnership with Sidelines UConn. I'm glad that I've been here for this rough season. And even more excited for the future because I've become a fan of the Huskies and their passionate fan base and really, really excited about what the future holds. Obviously I got to talk about coastal Carolina, my new adopted favorite team. Obviously they took a loss against Georgia state. I, again, I was not able to watch, but as I was tracking that game from Kinnick Stadium, I was I was surprised by uh, 
by the result. But but I will say Georgia State did play well the week before at Louisiana. So I did know going into the game that Coastal was going to have their hands full with having Carpenter, the backup quarterback. And, and Carpenter is a very, very good quarterback. He's a great backup quarterback. And he had a ton of success at the FCS level. <clears throat> but he's not Grayson McCall. And not many people are Grayson McCall. Let me just say that first. If Coastal has Grayson McCall in that game, they win, obviously. But you got to tip your hat to Georgia State for coming out, playing well, getting a getting their first win against a nationally ranked team in the history of their program. And we already know... You go on social media, everybody loved to see the shots lose and what that, uh, because, oh, now we don't have to listen to uh, the cocky beach chickens. Well, sorry to say it, folks, but uh, Coastal Carolina isn't going anywhere because this program has been built the right way. Jamie Chadwell is one of the best coaches in America, and the Coastal Carolina Chanticleers are here to stay. It's not a fluke what they've done. It's not a fluke what they've built. They are going to continue to be successful. They're going to come out this week against Texas State and make a statement, I feel. Then they conclude the year against South Alabama. At South Alabama, they're able to get that win. They get, they'll have 10 wins. Then they can go to a bowl game and get 11 wins. Let me tell you, folks, it's not easy to win 10 games or 11 games in college football. So let's stop trying to criticize some of these teams like a Coastal Carolina when they, oh, they lost, they lost, oh, they're not what we thought they were. Well, guess what? It's hard to win football games. It's really hard. So let's kind of, let's give these, let's praise these kids and these young men when they do do this and when they do it the right way like Coastal is, when they've built the program the right way, when they have the culture the correct way. Let's give them praise and do and do it in the right way because Coastal Carolina has done it in the right way. So I'm going to continue to root and support that. <clears throat> now I'll uh, wrap up my show with two things, talk about my top 25 a little bit. <clears throat> it's, it's obviously Georgia and everyone else. Um, I think we all... We all can agree on that. And if you don't, I don't know what you're watching. But uh, Georgia's number one. I have Cincinnati number two. And I'm going to keep them there because I know the South Florida game was clo was closer than it should have been. But I really feel if Cincinnati had a big 12 patch on the side of their jersey this year, like they will in a couple years, that this wouldn't even be a discussion. That they would just automatically be the number two team the fact that that they're a g5 team is why everybody is hating on them like i like i just said about coastal it's hard to win football games cincinnati is getting everyone's best shot every week in the american conference because they're the big dog so when they go out and win let's give them some credit give them give them the 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 attention they deserve. Cincinnati's going to win out and they should go to the college football playoff. It's that simple. 
Number three, I have Alabama, just because I feel Alabama is the is the second be, second or third best team in college football. Now, they very well could lose to Georgia in the SEC title game, and if they do, they shouldn't make the playoff. But I'm gonna keep them there. <clears throat> and I made a change here to my four and five slot. And I decided to go with Oregon at four, then Ohio State at five. I decided to make the switch because of the head-to-head. I finally got to thinking about it. And head-to-head has to matter. Oregon has the worst loss against Stanford. Terrible, terrible loss because Stanford is not good. Granted, at that time, Stanford was better because they were a little, little more healthy. But nonetheless, not a good loss at all. I do think Oregon's going to lose a game again. Might be at Utah Utah this week. They're probably going to have to play Utah twice. But if Oregon loses, they're automatically done. We all know that. But then I have Ohio State at 5. Then I'm at Michigan State 6, Michigan (coughs) 7. I have to go with the head-to-head matchup there. Then I have number 8, Notre Dame. And... I made a post the other day about this, but Notre Dame has a very, very distinct shot to make the college football playoff. The way that it works, Alabama loses to Georgia in the SEC title game. They drop out. Oregon is going to lose again, in my opinion. Then Ohio State beats Michigan State and Michigan. That leads to Georgia, Cincinnati, Ohio State, Notre Dame, because Notre Dame's not losing to Georgia Tech or Stanford. Let's just say that already. Notre Dame has a very good shot. They do. And they've been playing pretty well here to end the year. And and I hate to say it, but they're deserving. Number nine, I got Oklahoma State. They have a shot to uh, win the Big 12. Then I got UTSA at number 10. Just want the Roadrunners to get the credit they deserve. They're undefeated. They're rolling. Give them the credit they deserve. Number 11, Ole Miss, 12, BYU, 13, Wake Forest, 14, Oklahoma, 15, Texas A&M, 16, Louisiana, Oklahoma coming off that bad loss, but uh, a loss we were all probably hoping for. Number 17, Baylor, 18, Houston, 19, Wisconsin, 20, Iowa, 21, Utah, 22, San Diego State. 23 Pittsburgh, 24 App State, and then I put the Coastal Carolina Chanticleers at 25 because uh, of my fandom and because of how much I like and appreciate them. I mean, looking at it, yeah, I probably should put Arkansas there. But my next five, I didn't even list Arkansas. I dropped the ball there. But my next five, I put Purdue, Kentucky, Auburn, NC State, SMU, Again, should have Arkansas there. They're seven and three in the SEC, but uh, nonetheless, that's my top twenty-five, and uh, I'm sticking with it. I'm gonna continue to give the G5s the credit they deserve. Now, tomorrow, I'm hoping to go to the go see some matching Western Michigan and Eastern Michigan. It's up in the air. My wife is pretty sick. Uh, hoping she feels better in the morning, but we'll see. Again, I'm hoping to get to that game for some action, action action on a Tuesday night. But uh, it'll be stadium number four on the tour. 
Um, but as I continue to go through this, I hope you guys enjoy um, <clears throat> everything. Enjoy the podcast. Enjoy my takes. And uh, continue to talk about the coaching carousel as it uh, continues to uh, go round and round. And it's going to go round and round a lot more. But uh, again, guys, thank you so much for tuning in. Feel free to uh, connect with me from the podcast Twitter account at TNT College Float One. Feel free to interact, ask questions, talk to me anytime. You can also reach out to me personally at Coach underscore B Will. Give me a follow too. Um, like and subscribe on uh, any wherever you listen to your podcast. Much appreciated. Again, guys, thanks for uh, tuning in. Have a good night. God bless.